Okay, we are live again. This is Igal Beha, the Cybersecurity Insider. Today, uh, episode 34. Today, we're going to talk about ransomware attack case study. So, I spoke about this like about uh, two months ago, I, I believe. Um, and this is was kind of um, explaining uh, what it's about. And I gave a little bit um, an, an insight of what happened and, and some stories around this. And today I'm going to go and take a deep dive. Maybe we'll see if the time allows that. Um, and I'm going to go about a little bit more details and show you how it really looks like. Um, how the files are look like after encryption. I mean, you can find it, of course, on, on the internet and a lot of information about this. Uh, but people don't get it. And with the customers that I speak to, they this week I spoke with one customer and said, oh, you guys, you're getting crazy. This is for nothing. You're doing, you're causing a, just, you're blowing some hot air for nothing, for no reason. And every time you need to come and explain this, this is a real case, this is a real scenario. This is not, I'm not inventing anything. I'm not trying to take any benefit from it. And then they come with uh, all those, oh, you know, it's like the uh, antivirus solutions. They probably created the viruses and that's why this is how, you know, this is a claim from, from back of the 1990 back. Um, and every time you need to come with uh, explanations why it's not true and keep explaining why they need to have this kind of um, protection, defenses, mechanisms. And I would like to show you and again explain to other people that I have a little bit um, skeptic about it. So... Um, I prepared a presentation just to go over the details and show you um, um, by the numbers. So let me share the case study. So this is by me. Um, it's all firsthand. It's not, you know, it's not on the news somewhere, some NBC, ABC, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever. This is like from the real stuff. This is not... I'm not bringing anything from the news. This is a real case. So let's talk about the numbers. So it took about 16 hours to detect it. Um, since the encryption time, the encryption time, I'm going to talk about this, about the timeline later on. This, uh, I prepared another slide that talks about the the timeline when it happened and how long it took us to find out and, and some stories around this. So from Sunday to Monday, about 16 hours to detect it since the encryption started. Um, it took 71 days to do the remediation. So when I say 71 days to remediate, meaning we couldn't remove the, um, the ransomware and explain it. In some cases, you can. In this case... Uh, you couldn't, it's just the files are encrypted and you have a message on the screen and files that tells you, okay, your files are encrypted and they are not accessible and I'm going to show you a sample of those, how it looks like. 
Um, the cost was $25,000 to rebuild everything from scratch. So 71 days, you're building the entire systems. You install all the operating system. They had a bunch of virtual machines, about 10 virtual machines to So rebuild all those virtual machines from scratch, building Active Directory from scratch, building Exchange. Yes, they have on-prem Exchange. Some people do. Um, so we had to build everything from scratch, moving all the data, recovering all the functionalities with all the application, QuickBooks, and accounting software, different. And, and uh, in this case, we're going to talk about this. Is it, uh, it's a jewelry store. So we had to get all the jewelry software installed, uh, terminal servers, Active Directory file server, printing servers, everything was we had to go and rebuild from from scratch because there was nothing there after that attack so imagine now some people are gonna say gonna come and ask okay what happened to the backup also the backup was encrypted we had the uh a synology device that was encrypted completely i mean the device was and the amazing thing is to say that the operating system on the nas was not affected not at all. The only thing that was affected is only the backups and files that were stored on the device. And SMB was open. This is another small detail. But also the backup services were installed there and everything was, was encrypted. So no backups. And they didn't have any kind of cloud backup. And at some point in time, I told the customer, the IT manager said, you know, you have a backup device here, which is a backup tape. Can you hear that? A backup tape. You know, tapes that you put them in a backup tape and you backup. Takes very long time to backup and takes a very long time to recover. They are very sensitive to magnetic field. Uh, the magnetic uh, strip over there is also very sensitive. Sun, heat, everything is, and you need to replace them every year because they become defected over time uh, and you need every time to renew them and get new backup tapes. So those are the disadvantages. Uh, so that backup device was not functioning completely. It was not working at all at some point. And so these customers, so let, let me go back and, and explain a little bit, a little bit background. So it's a jewelry company. They have a three stores. Uh, the main headquarters is in, in Georgia, and they have about 30 employees. So it's a small business as a definition, right? It's not a big company. Usually said, oh, we are small. Nobody's interested in us. It's small. So some said, okay, but I'm a 10-employee company. I'm still smaller than 30. Yes, you are, but still you are a very good target for those attackers because they know that you don't have any kind of security measures that the big guys has but also big guys also they have uh, big budgets they have teams they have whatever they need still they're also falling under those cyber attacks and you keep hearing it on a daily basis almost about another breach that happened to a big company or a small company smb as they call them so everybody is a target no one is immune to those attacks 
And so they had to pay uh, $25,000 to the attackers. They had to come and, and come to do some, some kind of negotiations. So they recovered five uh, systems, five servers, so 5,000 for each. All those costs were uh, paid, the forensic costs and legal fees are unknown at this point because I don't, I'm not privy to that kind of information. Uh, and they're also paid by the insurance. I don't know exactly what they paid, the insurance paid, but the company, and this is a good thing, that this company had a cyber insurance to begin with. So let me tell you, if you are debating if to have a cybersecurity insurance, you should go and get a cybersecurity insurance. If you don't know where to go, I'm going to post my email. If you have any questions, please ask me and I'll give you all the information. So about the ransomware, the ransomware is another another um, type of a, it's called variant of Phobos. It's also called the eight virus because it put the eight letter, the eight um, word as the extension of the file after it was encrypted, but they they have also before that they, so you have the file name and then they uh, append to the end of the name of the file name, they add um, an ID, which identify you because they have a customer service. They need to know who they encrypted. So you have a customer service. So, so they have the ID and then they have an email address. So you can send them an email, say, hey, this is the ID. This is my, what's going on? So this is the way for you to communicate with them, even though you don't have all the uh, necessary tools to do that. So they give the, the ability to email them. And then in ads, dot with eight, the word eight. Um, the damage, you can't open the files because now the, those files are not recognized by the operating system because they have a different extension. So they are not associated with any specific program that can open it and open the data. So the information is encrypted. It's not that they only change the extension name, but also the file is encrypted. So if I were to come to take the file and rename it, let's say it was a um, statement.doc, and now it's statement.8. So let's just say some spot people said, okay, so let me rename the file. Okay, rename it and see if you can open it. You won't be able to open the file because it's not going to be recognizable, uh, recognized um, file format for that specific application. So if it's a Word document, you won't be able to open it. Recovery. So someone said, okay, maybe you can search online for this uh, kind of an, uh, decrypto tool. Uh, in some cases, you have a decryption tool that you can download uh, for some certain sites. And so at that time, 71 days ago, a little bit more. Um, there was no decryption tool. And even today, as of yesterday, when I prepared for this um, um, episode, I was trying to look if there, to see if there is any kind of decryption tool. Nothing is, is available. Okay. So, and then going back to the cost. And I calculated best about 30 employees, how much people, um, companies, what is the average salary 
in the jewelry business, right? You, we need to make the, the, the numbers correctly and, and associate with the with the specific industry with which is jewelry company, how much they sell, like a, to a sales associate or, you know, an accountant there. So they came about $55,000, probably the right number. And I did the math and I came to 275K, which is a soft cost. The employee salary, you need to pay them salary. Um, but the business is not functioning. To the words of the, the owner, which I spoke with him a couple of times, he said, it's like, it's like you're opening a business now. You have customers, but you don't have sales. You don't know your inventory. And you're starting from scratch. There's nothing there. So let's say we, let's say we couldn't buy uh, the files back because everything was virtual machines. And now you need to go and restore that again. In terms of cost, to pay the attacker twenty five thousand, it's I would say it's not so bad. It's still a lot of money. The insurance pays for it, but not to say that this you're gonna pay for in the premium for sure, because the premium probably next year will they they will uh, raise the premium fees because now they know that you're a risk, you're a known risk. So now they're gonna need to raise the premiums for for sure for the following year. It's no doubt about it. And the rebuild $25,000 is just the um, uh, the cost, uh, the labor cost, which is, again, not exactly a lot of money. And then you have software, and and, and then, of course, is the freelancing cost and legal fees, which I don't know them. So this is pretty much the by the numbers about this ransomware. So let's move to the next um, next slide. So let's talk about the timeline. So it happened on Sunday, um, April 10th, about 6.45 p.m., which when the store was closed. And um, so nobody was there. And this is the perfect time where you can attack a company when nobody is there. But this is also goes with, with, with another issue that those servers were not protected. They didn't have any kind of, um, a, say, antivirus. But they didn't ha have any kind of detection mechanisms on those servers. So they were completely unprotected. <clears throat> and the servers they were using there was Windows, Microsoft, Hyper-V. Like you said, there was a problem with that. So the header, um, the host was 2019. And all the virtual machines were either uh, 2019 or they had older versions. They had very old machines with 2008 operating system, Exchange 2010. And originally we came to this customer because they needed some help with the um, email exchange migration. So we finished the migration. We rebuild their Active Directory because they had 2008, a mix of 2008 and 2019, but it actually was 2008 because they had an older Active Directory uh, system, 2008, and you couldn't upgrade unless you take off the 2008 and then you you upgrade uh, the Active Directory. But, but we couldn't do that because the first Active Directory 
um, DC domain controller is 2008. So there's no point of doing all this mess. You just trash that out and rebuild Active Directory from scratch. You're creating all the users, the groups, passwords, everything. So it's 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 a lot of work. So we did all the migration. We finished every, everything. We moved all the emails, all the mailboxes from the old exchange to the new exchange, which is, again, 2019 exchange. And everything was fine. Um, and then this happened on Sunday. And then Monday, the encryption was still going on. Um, doing, so 6.45, 6.30 p.m., all the way overnight. And then everything was encrypted. As you say, workstation, servers, the NAS, the uh, network attached um, server was also encrypted. And then Monday morning, they're coming back from the weekend to find a blue screen. So about 8 a.m., I'm getting a call from the IT manager telling me, oh, uh, Yigal, we have a blue screen on the virtual machine, on the VM host. I said, what happened? She said, I don't know what happened. This is what happened. I said, okay, yesterday everything was fine. Yeah, everything was fine. Okay, fine. So the first assumption is that there is something wrong with the operating system, maybe the hardware, something got corruption. This happens. And say, okay, we got the blue screen. Uh, let's um, let's uh, see uh, what's going on. So I had to send her uh, the ISO of the Windows, and she took a flash drive, burn it on the ISO. And this is also about recovery. You need to have. Let me talk about this. The plan, but the plan is just not have a plan. But also part of the plan is to prepare everything like if you need the flash drives you need you need um operating system you need the applications have that ready beforehand because we had to spend our wheels upload it to the cloud down download it okay well how are we going to do this because there's still they everything is encrypted also all the workstations are encrypted so there's something is going on and you cannot really uh, and one more thing is when this happens, you need to isolate everything from from the network because it's still going on. You have still an active active encryption, but at that time we didn't know that this is the case. So going back to the recovery, so finally she, finally she got the ISO installed. Okay, she installing the operating system. Okay, okay, now we can reboot the system. We can have internet access. Okay, let's see what's going on with the, all the virtual machines. Oh, now we need to install the um, um, the virtualization support on 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 uh, on Microsoft the Hyper-V functionality. Okay, this is installed. Everything is fine. Okay, now let's look for the Hyper-V file for the virtual machines. Okay, we see the virtual machines. In the beginning, you look at the files. Okay, the files are looking fine, and and. You're trying not to attach the files and scan the disk and configure the Hyper-V. And there's no virtual machines, but I see the files. So looking again at the files, I'm looking and saying, wait a minute, they look a little bit different. They look a little bit weird. They have like an ID, they have numbers, and then they have that eight. He said, what is that? He said, you know what? 
I think something happened. I think they got the ransomware. Okay. And this is about afternoon. We finished all of those, um, you know, installation of the Windows, Hyper-V, and then we are absolutely sure that this is the case. I do some background se uh, search about this, if there's some decryption tool. I found something. I said, okay, let me try that. It didn't work. I was trying to run another tool just to see if I can get some recovery of some of the files. Nothing was really successful. I said, okay, you need to contact the insurance, see if you have cyber insurance, and you need to contact, con contact the FBI, which they did. And now we are coming to the next day where the recovery begins. Uh, so there is a forensic company. And now the forensic company comes with the insurance because the insurance works with the forensic company already. So they bring them on. They started to look around to see what's going on. They were not there. They just shipped them hard drives and flat drives, and they had now to go in and image all those servers because uh, you need to collect the data. So they collected everything that they could. They shipped everything back to the to the forensic company for further analysis um, and to, to see, okay, how this uh, ransomware came about. And then Wednesday, they said, okay, we don't have email. Let's say have at least email system set up. So we set up a uh, a temporary email exchange server in our uh, infrastructure. And again, creating everything from scratch. I mentioned that. All the email addresses, Active Directory, you know, set up the MX records, get them SSL certificate, because we need to make it still secure to some extent. And at that point, um, they have email system, so they they can at least function to some to some to some degree. Uh, and this brings us to June twenty third. This is when we finish the recovery. So this is ends up seventy one days from the beginning of this event. Um, so now the customer has a fully functional um, IT system. And during the recovery time, they suffered, suffered another attack on the website. The website was defaced. So if you have a vulnerable IT system, possibly your website is also vulnerable to some sort of an attack, and that's what happened to them. Um, so let's move to the next slide which this talks about the file. So I wanted to show you how it looks like. So you see here modified April 10th at um, about 10.30 p.m. And then it continues the next day. So this is Sunday. Uh, and then uh, April uh, 11th, which is 1.48 a.m. So it's still running. They, they, um, the attack is still going on. <clears throat> they didn't encrypt everything. They're still getting there. Um, and here you can see the name of the file, you see, which is OVA, which is a virtual machine, open uh, virtual machine uh, format. And you have, here, you have here an ID, which identify you as a customer by this attacker. And then the email address, you don't see the full email address, but here you can see it. So here you have the 
um, uh, the name of the file, the ID, and then you have the email address and then dot eight spelled out. And here you can see eight file. So this is how the files all look like. This is a real case. Um, and I just want to talk about a, again, about a conversation that I had with a, with a customer of mine um, this week, again, about cloud backup. And remember, this customer refused to have a cloud backup. And I said, how about having a cloud backup? She said, Egal, I don't trust cloud. I agree with you. We can't trust cloud. I said, but this is on our infrastructure. Not to say that our infrastructure is 100% safe. Nobody is safe. And she said, no, I don't have any um, cloud backup. I said, okay, this is your will. I, I can't force you to, to have a cloud backup if you don't want to. But imagine if she had a backup, she would agree to say, okay, you know, let's have a backup just in case. And fine. And remember that, that before we started the exchange email migration on site, I decided to ship a... a a Synology backup device, a NAS, just so we'll have a sort of a backup in case we have a problem with the migration. And when she told me, hey, you know, I have a problem with my backup tape, can you set up a temporary backup for us? I said, sure. We have that device. I set up everything. I can back up all the virtual machines. Perfect. And I even backed up another another um, desktop, and the, her desktop, actually. Everything was backed up, and remember that was was also encrypted. So you have a backup. So imagine if I had the cloud backup, I would be able at least to have some some way to restore the virtual machines. I had the data, I have everything. So they had to pay the attackers in order to retrieve the data, and then from that we, we could extract all the data that we needed. Um, another thing to mention: they doing the uh, exchange rebuild. They were full with some of the mailbox were full with a threats because the antivirus anti malware solution that they had there was not con really configured well, and it was it was a lot of uh, uh, threats were found there. Okay, so we were able to remove those as well. And we got the exchange, the um, exchange restored, and then we had to retrieve all the data, all the mailboxes from the temporary email service. So there's a lot of back and forth of data. Thank God we were able to recover everything, and we brought them um, to the date of the incident. So meaning they didn't lose emails. I mean, they lost some emails until we set up the uh, the temporary email exchange. Um, but still, they lost some emails um, and lost of business and the rep reputation because they had put on the website that they suffered a, a, a data breach, which is not so pleasant to tell your customers and, and suppliers and employee that you got breached. It's not for the moral of the company. It's not exactly the best thing to have. So going back to this uh, story with uh, with this customer this week, and I said, listen, any comment will check the pricing and why it's costing so much and why you're charging this. And but listen, remember when we started working together, 
I told you need to have a backup. And back then they had only one, two, three computers. I said, you need to have a backup. And he was, he objected. He said, no, we don't need the backup. I said, listen, if something happened to the hard drive, for instance, we'll be able to recover. Ah, uh, got how many times the hard drive fails? Well, the hard drive sometimes fails. It's, it's happened. It happens. And guess what? That specific hard drive failed. Then we had a backup. So we could recover to the, exactly the debt. He didn't lose anything, any data. And he was so, so thankful. He said, Igal, you know, since we have backup here, make sure we have backup on all computers that we have. He said, okay, done deal. We're going to have backup on all computers. Absolutely. And I reminded him this conversation. I said, do you remember this conversation that we had a while ago? Like five years ago, six, seven years ago? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, customers, when you sometimes write, they they, <laughs> they feel a little bit uh, embarrassed about it. But he said, yes, I, I do remember. To to his credit, he, he's very honest with himself, even if he's not exactly right. But still, he was objecting, ah, again, and keep repeating the same stories and why we shouldn't have a cloud backup. said, oh, you know, they can hack you as well. They can hack me. said, yeah, but at least we have a backup somewhere. It's either you have a backup on-prem, which is good. Now we have a backup on the cloud, on our systems. Now if something happens, either way, we are have some protection. And he made a very good point. He said, you know, you hold a lot of sensitive information about other customers. You're probably a better target than me. He said, you're absolutely right. I'm not saying no. He said, but you know what? I'm trying to do my due diligence. One of them is to have cyber insurance. I said, I um, recommend you to have cyber insurance, not only business insurance or maybe Arizona. we have also Arizona omissions. When you do this kind of business, you need to protect with yourself with whatever residual um, risk that you may incur during running the business. So yes, I need to have another backup. Yeah, of course, we need to have more backups. Yeah, cloud, not cloud, on-prem. Yes, everything is absolutely correct. Um, so we are not, we are not, um, we're not protected, not more than the customer, not less than the customer. And we need to do our best and due diligence in order to protect ourselves. So what, what is your plan? Let me know. If you have any comments, I'm just give you some ideas and hope you enjoyed this. Um, if you have any questions, please email us to podcast uh, at thecybersecurityinsider.com, podcast at cyber, thecybersecurityinsider.com. And of course, thank you for watching. Um, we spent about 30 minutes here talking about this uh, case study. I hope you learned your lesson and have backups. If that company you don't like in terms of the way they do the cloud, nobody is immune under the sun. Um, you need to patch. If there's a, available patches, patch your systems. Servers, install protection on servers. It doesn't mean that it's a server. You don't need to protect it. Some people say, but you know, it's going to prevent from the, the system will be slow. Hey, yeah, it's going to be slow. Yeah, but what can you do? It's better to work a little bit slower than having this kind of um, of a issue. Just 
have those protection and defenses mechanisms. And oh, by the way, I want to go back about this. Um, and probably some people ask, okay, how this ransomware came in to begin with? So based on the forensic company, they claim that they uh, came through an RDP port open on the firewall. So yes, RDP port was open on the firewall, but whom configured the firewall decided that instead of have the typical port um, 3389, they add an another number. So now it's 33889. So thinking now it's a little bit high on the port, and that will prevent from the hacker to find you. And I know some of companies recommending to change ports to, to change, and this is part of the changing the defaults. Changing the port is not a technique to avoid a breach. The hacker is, a, is smart a little bit, and they will go and do the entire port range, and they will scan everything until they find something. So thinking that if you are changing the port will uh, protect you, this is not the case. And this is proves that, that it's not the case. Don't change ports because you think that this is going to bring you more security. It's not. So do you a favor and make sure that you don't open RDP. You poke a hole in the firewall and you allow somebody to come inside the RDP and going directly to um, an older and outdated system because they came to 2008 system that was open there. The firewall was pointing to that um, uh, system. So now you have an entry point. Don't poke a file. If you need to have RDP, no problem. Set up a VPN access, SSL VPN. You don't want to use SSL, use IPsec. IPsec is definitely better. So use IPsec, have authentication, F2FA, do all of those things in order to make sure that your system's a little bit more safer. And our goal here is to reduce the risk. Remember, reducing the risk, this is the goal. We can't be 100% uh, safe with that or immune because something will happen. And so we came to the end. Uh, I added another five minutes. I hope you enjoyed uh, this uh, episode. Thank you for watching. Please share, like, and subscribe. If you don't want to share, don't share. If you don't want to like, you don't like, it's fine. Any questions, please email me at podcast at the cybersecurityinsider.com. Thank you for watching and have a plan. Thank you for watching again.